Hi there, and welcome along to a very special, very festive edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the totally free and independent champions podcast made by the fans for the fans, where all of the content is absolutely free. And as we all know by now, that's not just the podcast that we have here at Jersnet. But if you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you can also catch up on the forum, the articles, the social media, the history archive. So if you can tear yourself away from the content that the Rangers media team are putting out, then please do go over and have a look at that. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's just gone 9.30pm on the 16th of May um that we're going out live on youtube the podcast will always be available for download on a monday morning as well and this is one of these shows that you probably don't want to miss because it's been such a historic weekend for rangers um so if you are new to the show then please do hit the like and subscribe button download wherever you get your podcast that'll be Acast, itunes youtube castbox stitcher spotify wherever it might be um please do leave us a wee review or a comment as well if you are so inclined as we say, we're looking back today at one of the most momentous days, in, certainly in, in sort of living memory for, for, for Rangers and Rangers fans, as we lifted 55 yesterday uh, in front of an empty Ibrox, um, but certainly not an empty Glasgow. And so to, to kind of look back and reflect on that and the journey that we've got to, to get to this point and also comment on the game itself, we have got two of the finest Rangers minds. Uh, first of all, John McCallum. John, welcome along. How did, uh, how did Trophy Day look for you? Yeah, it was everything Everything it should have been. I was delighted with it. Uh, it's a kind introduction, one of the finest Rangers minds. Um, I'm not sure as I get it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to see how that goes. But no, it was, it was a fantastic day. Um, it, it, you know, everything went well. The sun even came out. It did. Uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a great day. Um, what a score, you know. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in more length. Uh, and actually, the, the I was a wee bit unsure beforehand how the how the whole thing would go with no crowd there and what it'd be like. And actually it was great. I have to say, they did it actually very, very well. Yeah, no, you're right. And you could see, despite the lack of crowd and despite the fact that there's no one there pumping the players up, the players did not need any pumping up by the time that trophy came out. It meant so much to every single one of them. But yeah, I think it was it was so well managed. Jumping to the other end of the debauchery scale, Stuart, I can only imagine that you were climbing on police cars and battering folk with empty bottles of MD 2020. <laughs> is, that, is that about right? More like WD forty, I think, in my condition. It was uh, I, I must admit, but given the introductions there, I was glancing round the screen to see who the two guys were you were talking about there, and I, I, I didn't recognise either of us. So, no, I mean, yesterday was. I mean, I've seen you know many uh, trophies lifted at Ibrox, especially the the, the title trophy. Uh, Given the circumstances of what you know everybody's lived through in the past uh, the past year, but it was amazing that you still get the feeling that it meant so much, and in some respects, the players I think were actually able to enjoy it more because there were no distractions in the stands. There was nobody disappearing to go and get the scarves and the hats and the flags and all the rest of it. It was it was contained, and they enjoyed that moment as a squad and as a team, much the way they've enjoyed, you know, the vast part of, of this season. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And the sort of collective unity of the whole, I mean, aside from Alfredo running down the tunnel, I think to grab some champagne wrapped in his Columbia flag, they were all, it was very much unified and, and all together. And it's good. I mean, uh, you know, a day like a day like that has to be all about the players that have got us there and, for so many of them, whether it's you know your, your Calvin Bassies at the start of your career or your Jermaine Defoe's at the end of your career, for so many it was their first ever title, not just their first title with Rangers, but their first ever league win. Um, obviously, same for same for our manager as well. So, yeah, you could see on the faces of, of each and every one what it what it meant to them. 
but gents, we'll we'll kind of we'll come to the the trophy presentation. We'll, you know the, the the invincible season, everything that that means to us. But we we are talking, and and John, it could so easily have been a. I mean, you know, eleven players desperate to get to ninety minutes to lift the trophy, but. You know, we actually turn in an incredibly professional performance. Pick up a four-nil scoreline. Um, I think if you're if you're winning game four-nil against anyone post-split, you're automatically playing the best of the league. Um, so certainly a kind of a performance that was, in my opinion, befitting of of the occasion. What did you make of it? Yeah, well, it was a funny performance. First half, you know, I was uh, we were all over them, you know, and it was if if anything, it was slightly disappointing. We were only two up. You know, we 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 you know we could have got in with more, but our dominance was was so strong at that point, Ross. And then we obviously had that kind of something happened in the first fifteen minutes of the second half. Um, I, I guess they just went on the champagne early. I guess you know halftime oranges were put to one side, and they had a few shots or something. I, I don't know what happened. Um, uh, but you know, once Roof um, got the third. And it was there was never any danger after that, and 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 in thinking honestly, even if Aberdeen, you know, as they had, I still think we just had a couple more gears that we could have gone through. Um, it was so it was absolutely fitting, um, and you know Aberdeen never never tire of putting four past Aberdeen. You know, let's never take that for granted. You know, that's that's that. You know, it's it's not the best Aberdeen side we've ever faced, but. You know, it's always enjoyable doing that to, to, to any club, but particularly to Aberdeen. It is, um, yeah. I actually thought it encapsulated the season a little bit, the game. Um, you know, you had um, the first goal was was just the strangest goal. One of these ones, yeah, I had to see it three or four times to see, did the keeper really do that? You know, some of these really ones, you're thinking, how did that go in? <laughs> and it's the strangest piece of goalkeeping. So you had the, the element of, of kind of Scottish football farce with the first goal. Um, and uh, and but then the second goal, you know, Kent's run, um, Roof's finish. You're thinking, no, that's right. We, we, you know, that's just perfection. You know, it's just two players who, when when they turn up and play, you know, they're 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 the best in the country in, in their position. I think third goal for me. You know, Aberdeen have two, you know, clear cut chances they don't take, and then Rangers get one chance and they absolutely bury it. You know, and it's a mistake, and and Rangers are on them. And again, that for me is how Rangers have been this season. You know, they they, they we punish mistakes. We don't let other teams um, do that to us. But as soon as they make a mistake, we are on to them. And that's been a that's been a, a, a factor for us. And then the fourth goal, um, you know, you bring on Defoe. Um, you know, you show the strength of that squad. And again, it's a squad that's got us the league this season, hasn't it been, Ross? Um, so, so they bring on, you know, we bring on a raft of substitutes, but they bring on Defoe um, and he does what he's been doing his entire career. I mean, he did, he looked like he was 18 when he got the ball in the box and he just, he just seemed to have all this time. You know, defenders are, are they don't know what to do and he strokes it away beautifully and you think, yeah, that, that for me was, it encapsulated our season. Yeah. I, I, Jermaine Defoe has been, um, I think, in my opinion, a, a phenomenal signing, a really, really good bit of business. His goal return, if you look at the minutes that he's played over the time that he's been with us, it must be you know off the charts because he comes on, he gets 10, 15 minutes here or there. Um, and he, he, he scores, he, he always, always delivers. And Stuart, this is a boy who is 
out of contract at the end of the season, so out of contract in the you know in the coming weeks and months. Um, but his last few performances certainly show that he's still an asset on the park. We certainly don't know the influence that he might be having off the park and in the dressing room and mentoring and all the rest of it. But um, he's been quite clear in his comments that he wants to stay. Uh, I can imagine that with his experience and his kind of career to date, he must be one of our top earners um, and possibly isn't, I don't know, is he justifying that kind of salary if he's not starting every game? So financially something would have to be worked out, but would you be keen to put a deal forward for Mr. Defoe? I I would think so, just based on, just based on his knowledge and his experience. I think, you know, the goal that he scored, I mean, I mean, John mentioned there that he had, you know, so much time. The the very last touch he took, if that had been an inexperienced striker in that position, that would have ended up as a foul to Aberdeen because they would have gone in wholehearted just to try and keep possession and and you know and, and just get really hard on the defender to try and win the ball. Whereas Defoe just gave them the, the slightest of touches just to o- open up the opportunity and then tucked it away. On the, on the other goals, the, the third one, uh, and again, just alluding to what John had said, the, the two chances that Aberdeen got, they, you know, they should have taken both. They most definitely should have taken one of them. Uh, I, I thought they missed by Ferguson, for me, said a lot about him as a player that he was basically trying to knock the, the, the rigging down uh, and, and missing from that distance is almost unforgivable. But the goal from Roof um, to make it 3-0 just sucked the life out of Aberdeen. I mean, it was they were on a high at that point. They were really pressing Rangers back. And to, 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 to then give the ball away and then lose a goal through it, it was just that it sucked the life out of Aberdeen. And, and I, I did have a chuckle to myself yesterday. Kent was really up for that game. You could tell by the way he was, he was you know, patrolling the the, the, the the pitch and looking for it. And he was coming up, he was popping up in different places. And it, it put me in mind of a guy that Walter Smith used to talk about who um, he was described, he used to commentate to himself. So he'd be running at a defender and he'd be saying, oh, he's going, is he going inside? No, he's going outside and he's, 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 he's coming back in. He's going to put it in his left foot. No, he's going to put it in his right foot. And and eventually this guy used to get the legs kicked out from underneath him because he infuriated defenders so much that they just wanted to break his legs. And it, and, and it was called a commentary game. Malton used to describe it as a commentary game. And I thought Kent was having a commentary match yesterday because if you, if you watch the second goal... He almost shoves Aribo out the way to say, listen, I've got this one, leave it to me. And he's run into the box, really committed, you know, Aberdeen's defence, pulled him across. And, and again, Ruth made a, a, a classic run to the first front post. Again, that was a, that was a, that's a kind of run Morella should be making to the front post. Ruth, I think, showed a lot of it. House in the last couple of weeks about the goals were scored. As for the first goal that Rangers got, they were always going to be pressing for a goal. But um, probably on the third or fourth take, and from a particular camera angle, that you thought 
he did actually pull that from a, a, a ball that looked as if it was going to be missing the, his far post and pulled it and hauled it into his front post. I mean, it was utterly, utterly strange. Um, you know, the first the first time I saw Rangers playing Aberdeen was in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup in 1969 when Rangers beat Aberdeen 6-1 in the semi-final at Celtic Park. And I honestly thought there was another, there was a good, a, a few more goals in that that performance yesterday from Rangers. They lost their way a wee bit, and I and again um, agreeing with John, that kind of summed up Rangers' season so much. Dominant opposition comes into the game, maybe could should have scored, and then Rangers just polish them off. So all in all, uh, a very fitting performance, and you know, and it, it almost made things. They almost started to relax you that they weren't going to go and pick up their medals with their heads down looking at their, their belly buttons they were actually going to have chins up, heads up because they'd actually turned in a performance Yeah, a performance befitting the, the title of champions I think John we kind of referenced there the wee 15 minute spell that Aberdeen had at the at, at the start of the second half and it was a, a very strange period because you know Rangers couldn't string more than two or three passes together, weren't really maintaining their composure under that pressure. And, and Aberdeen had some exceptional chances. I mean, uh, the, uh, the lad Hornby up front should have had two. Uh, and Lewis Ferguson battering that off the crossbar. Um, I guess the question, is that miss worse than the boy at Livingston in midweek? Who, oh, yeah. you know, that's worse. I think so. I, yeah, I think that was a worse miss. Yeah. yeah. That was Van Vossen esque. It was. That it one. was. Um, you know, which, and Van Vossen is, let's be honest, that's the benchmark we all use for misses. So, um, no, no, that was pretty awful. It was. Um, yeah. Uh, he's, as Stuart said, he, he, he leathered it instead of placing it. Yeah. And that maybe does give you some, some insight into him. Um, but, uh, yeah, and even the one before it, uh, they, they, you know, they should have scored. They should definitely have scored two goals. Um, but as I said, even if they had, I wouldn't have been terribly worried. Why did it happen? I mean, Aberdeen were so poor in the first half. They you know, they contributed very, very little in the first half. Um, and I suspect there was a, you know, a bit of a dressing down. You know, show some pride. You know, I, I, I suspect they did get a bit of a, a verbal uh, kicking in the in, at half time. They made a couple of changes. Um, at half time as well, which I suspect made a difference tactically. Um, you know, we were playing Joe Aribo at fullback again. You know, you, you, you have to remember the guy Simpson's played, I mean, seriously, I think he's played something like 15 games his entire career. You know, he's a, it's a ridiculously no, low amount of first team football that boy has played. Um, Tav's still coming back from an injury. Goldson's played, you know, 8,000 hours of football since the turn of the year. Um, and, and and Joe Aribo, three weeks ago on the pod, we were having a discussion about how we don't want Joe Aribo to play in midfield. He either plays up front or should he be playing at all. And now we're playing him at fullback. You know, <laughs> you know. So you know, it doesn't make. It's not really difficult to see why Aberdeen would have had a, a, a you know a spell. Um, you know, we we it was a makeshift side we had out. Um, and it's not difficult to see why, they, if you know, once they kind of got a bit of organisation and um, they got a bit of a kicking from their manager, that they would come out and have a spell. But as I said, 
you know, at Rangers, we came back into it. You know, we we took our chance. You know, they made a mistake and we absolutely punished them for it. And then that was that. You know, the, the game was over then. Um, it was just a matter of, right, just blow the whistle now. Just show us this trophy. Um, and I think that... I, I think you can even excuse the players for having, you know, they must have been at half time, Ross, and, and thought, oh, this game's won. You know, these guys aren't, these guys won't away. You know, Colin and I were talking about it on Friday night's pod, and, and, you know, half the Aberdeen team won't be there next season. You know, the manager's coming in, and, and there's clearly quite a, well, clearly a lot of changes required. So I suspect there was maybe some issues around motivation um, from some of their players as well. Um, you know, it made the game a little more interesting, I suppose, because. You know, but I was just looking for the game to finish. I just wanted to see them lift that trophy. Yeah. So I guess it made it a little more interesting. It did. Inter- interesting is probably the right word for it. I wouldn't say enjoyable that time, but um, I think you both made the point that then the third goal goes in from Kemar Roof and the mentality. I mean, if you if you are if you're an Aberdeen player and you go, we're we're pushing, we're pressing, we've had our chances. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Ah, right, a slack pass at the back, and and they've scored the third. That it must have been totally deflating for them and, and, and really sucked the energy away from them, which is, uh, again, as a Rangers fan, phenomenal. But but Stuart, that third goal goes in from Kamar Roof, and I actually thought it was a slightly odd performance from Kamar Roof. I thought the first 20, maybe 30 minutes or so, he was having a, a fairly poor game. You know, a lot of passes weren't coming off and maybe wasn't quite on the same wavelength as, as his teammates. He then goes on and gets two goals and turns in a man-of-the-match performance. Um, and I think you can see in that, that he is maybe a level above a lot of the other players in Scottish football. He really, he clearly is. And he's doing all this, having had significant injury problems, not just this season, but in his career up to now. Um, Not really settled at a club for more than two or three seasons. And suspension issues this year as well. So it's it's been very fragmented. If we can get a proper pre-season into this boy, what would you expect from him in, in the coming year? I would um, I would expect much of the same, I, I, and and that actually applies to the fact that he he's a tad injury prone. You know, I know a number of Leeds United fans who, in singing his praises, also said, "Yeah, but there's a cost or a downside to him. He will contribute when he's fit and he's a decent player, but trying to keep him fit and." trying to maintain um you know his presence within the squad. The thing is just now with Rangers, you know, you have if he doesn't play, then you have Morelos and you also have the four currently. And um you know even you know Itten is is in there as well who who you sometimes forget about. But it, it's he'll be wanting to maintain his level of fitness just to keep a uh, he's, he's placing the team I would think and he's had a taste for it this year he's seen what's possible and and the big the big carrot dangling in front of all of these guys is how good was it this season imagine what it's going to be like next season hopefully if we if we get fans back um, in the stadium how some might react to that I'm not quite sure I still have this this sort of thought that one or two of the players performed better with nobody watching them this season because there was nobody getting on their bike, there was nobody shouting <laughs> launch it, there was there was nobody um you know start to shout, you know, man on and all the rest of it and, and, and hurrying guys into mistakes. Um it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the when the the full house um eventually returns. But all in all, 
just just touch a point Aberdeen again. Um, I thought that they were they were on a damage limitation exercise almost from the off and played into Rangers' hands. And again, first twenty minutes, so I thought you know Roof was actually demob happy. I th- I honestly thought he'd already was deciding on what shorts to wear to to the cocktail bar uh, on his first night and wherever he's going to go for his holidays. And all of a sudden he comes on to a game. And that's no bad thing for a striker, as we saw, you know, more recently in the in the Celtic game as well. Here's a guy who when he clicks, he does score goals and causes real consternation in the opposition. But again, full fitness I think is really, really going to be important for him going forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I know that that Wikipedia stats are not going to be the, the sort of bastion of integrity in terms of being accurate, but what we're saying here is 24 league games and 14 league goals. And for someone who's had such a fragmented, such a stop-start season, um, that's a hell of a return. Uh, so uh, I think he's a, I think he's a class player. I think he's brought a lot to the side. Um, and I'm really, I, really looking forward to the new year. I don't think Roof would be in would be playing for Rangers if he didn't have the injury issues that he's had in his career. You know, I, I, and I say this with no disrespect to Rangers, but I think he's too good for for the level he's playing at. You know, it, you know, it's you know, he's a guy who could be playing or should be playing at a higher level in Scottish football. You know, and, and you know, he, you see in Europe when the European games were when Roof's played when he's been fit. Um, you know, the first half of the season, you know, Roof in Europe was 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 very very impressive. Um, the start, Roof was probably our first choice striker. You know, Morelos was the one that was coming off the bench. Morelos was the one, and 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 then he suddenly found the form that he had kind of eighteen months ago or so. Um, the start of that and that form again, and then had a fantastic season. The Morelos has had a brilliant season. We, we've all overlooked Morelos this season because other players have been so good. But um, you know he's had a fantastic season. But that's the only thing I'd say about Roof is that I, I think you know let's enjoy Roof while we've got him because I think he's he's a phenomenally talented football player. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think you're absolutely right. If if he could settle and get a run somewhere, I think he would. You know, he he could absolutely flourish. I mean, looking at this, he's he's 28 years of age. I mean, I know sports science it kind of elongates careers nowadays, but he he must be in his prime and. Um, you can see the natural gifted ability that the boy has. And I think we are the beneficiaries of that. And let's be fair. I mean, we are now going into the most, uh, certainly not domestically, but European wise, we're going into the elite now. We're going into the Champions League and he's a Champions League player playing at a Champions League club. It's just a shame that our setup means that he has to sort of intersperse those Champions League games with away days at Livingston or Dingwall and places. Um, That's the quirk of Scottish football, I suppose. Gents, I think that's probably enough game itself just before we move on to the the really fun stuff um please allow me to just take commerce here at jersnet which is www.footballprizes.co.uk uh football prizes as we all know they run uh raffles for um, sport and memorabilia um they've had plenty of signed strips and boots and all sorts and presentations uh display cabinets for 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 loads of different players from rangers over the season there's a competition on at the moment for a Gerrard t-shirt, which unfortunately is sold out. Um, so I can't encourage you to go and buy tickets for this, but just to say a massive thank you to Football Prizes for the support over the campaign. Um, some really wonderful prizes that they've offered. And I know that Jersnet 
fans have, have got involved in that. So thank you very much to them for the support throughout the season. Right, Stuart, on to the really fun stuff and the party afterwards. We've waited um, over two months since we confirmed uh, the, the league win when, when Celtic dropped points at Tanadice. Um, it's been a long wait, but it was quite well summed up, I think, yesterday on Sky when they said they've waited 10 years, they can wait another 67 days. How does it feel to finally watch Tav lift that trophy and, and see the players celebrate? I don't think it's any exaggeration that people might have wondered if those kind of days would ever have returned. Um, you know, when when Rangers were coming back through the various leagues and divisions, it it seems to have, in some respects, it seems to have flown in. And in other respects, it seems to have taken a hell of a long time. And, uh, and I think you could see yesterday with the celebrations that that was something the players were building up to ever since, you know, that, that weekend where after the 3-0 the victory on the Saturday, they, they then had to wait and see what Celtic were going to do. And of course, Celtic only drew at uh, Tannadice and it was it was confirmed then. But all in all, I think they, they will have savoured that moment. And I think the, the good thing for Rangers players for members of that squad is there are guys there like Davis and McGregor who have experienced that kind of moment before. There are other guys who have never, you know, probably picked up a trophy playing for the local youth team or, you know, or the BP Youth Cup or something like that. And that's their only experience of ever picking up silverware. And I think there will be, I, spe- I can imagine in the dressing room there will be the likes of Davis and McGregor especially will be already pressing these guys to not to make this a one-off, but if you've enjoyed it yesterday, you'll enjoy it again and you want to be enjoying it again and again and again. And I, and I think that part of it is that, you know, you could see you could see the, the delight. I mean, you know, Tavernier, I've been critical of the guy He's had the most incredible season, um, you know, in, in terms of Rangers players and what they've contributed to the team. It's very easy to go back in time and say, well, if you look what Alan McCoy's did for Rangers or you look what, you know, other guys have done, um, strikers um, in, in terms of the goals that have scored or Andy Goro playing in goals and, you know, different things. But Tavernier has been absolutely outstanding, absolutely outstanding in that position that he plays and you know again he was another one who had a bit of a hiatus with with injury but came storming back and finished the season as well as he was playing right at the start and you could see what it meant to him as well you know I'm I'm, I'm not one to uh, make anything of his background or you know the colour of his skin or anything like that. For me, he's first and foremost is the Rangers captain and therefore he's going to savour that moment given the fact he's just led his club to the biggest prize in Scottish football and you could see that he was overjoyed to be there and it meant a, it meant a hell of a lot to him. It probably meant a hell of a lot to him as well given some of the, some of the rougher times that he's had to come through as a player because he was, he was one of the players who has actually come through the different, you know, 
uh, leagues and divisions. And he's also one of the guys who's played under, you know, when it was an evolving door management that they had at Ibrooks. You know, whether it was going to be, um, you know, Kashina or then Murti or or then Warburton and then Murti and you know who was who was going to be picking the team in any given Saturday. He's come through that as well, and I think that he'll be enjoying and savouring this moment as well, simply because of that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think he's alluded to that himself in all the interviews. Is is that he has really. It's such a cliche, but he has had a roller coaster. He's had a lot of ups and downs, and um, and taken a lot of criticism. I think from most sections of the Rangers' support. Um, so to yeah, I think that there's probably no one more fitting to be lifting that trophy. John, as I said a moment ago, a huge weight certainly since our last title, and then between winning the league and, and getting presented with the trophy. Did that moment kind of live up to your hopes and your expectations? It absolutely did. Um, and I wasn't sure it would, you know, I wasn't sure if it would be a little bit of an anticlimax with, like you say, I mean, you know, having won it back in March, um, you know, and, and and having had this period of, you know, the, just kind of waiting and waiting. I, I did wonder if it would be a little bit of an anticlimax, but but it really wasn't. I, I actually, and I'm, I'm actually a little embarrassed to say this, I found it quite emotional. You know, I mean, I, I did, I actually, I, I surprised myself, you know, I am not, Somebody who would be, um, I'm not someone who's prone to public shows of emotion, but I actually did find it quite emotional. Um, there's a there's a photograph I've seen, um, saw it last night, and I've seen it a couple of times today of of Tav, and it's taken from behind, mm-hmm. and he's he's walking and he's got the trophy in one hand, um, you know, he's, he's he's walking away, he's still got his full kit on, he's got a trophy in one hand, it's on the pitch, you can see the kind of red, white, and blue bunting all lying on the floor. It's just been beautifully caught. The lighting on it's perfect. And there's something about it. That, and I just think it's going to be one of these images that you'll see over and over again in Rangers history. It's going to be up there with, um, you know, the, 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 some of the great photographs of, of, of Rangers players that have been taken through the years. And I think it's going to be one of those ones. Um, and you guys have, have spoken about Tav. I don't want to, to labour that point. Um, you know, but this is a guy that came to us. He's, a, he's, a, he's almost a parable. For football players, the guy who came in from Wigan Reserves when we were in in the Championship. You know, he was a guy who scored in a B and Q Cup final. Was it the B and Q? I can't remember who was sponsoring it at that point. The Petrofac Cup final. It's a guy who scored in that. You know, it's a guy who played in those two games against Celtic when we get absolutely horsed by them um, early in Coutinho's reign, um, and, and and he, you know, he played and he came through that. And you have to say that tells you something about his mentality. You know, his ability was never in, in doubt. You know, folk questioned whether he could defend. You know, there was a few things along those lines. But it tells you something about his mentality. And, and he clearly has the mentality to be a Rangers captain because he can come through the tough times, which you, you have to be able to do. Um, so it lived up to everything. Um, I, 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 was, I was wondering how they were going to do it. And when I saw John Gregg come out with the trophy, I think that was the moment I, I, I was just thought, geez, oh, you know, I, I was... I knew I was going to feel it strange not being there. You know, I knew not being there was going to be odd. But, you know, that, that's just how it is. We all have to accept that. But to see John Gregg walk out with the trophy and, and see how they did it, and I think also to see how much it meant to the players. You know, that wasn't, there were no affectations yesterday. They, those players, clearly, that meant the world to them. They, they really understood what they'd achieved. Um, 
you know, to hear what Gerard said, you know, there was a, well, it was, I was watching it on Sky. There's a number of interviews with Gerard on Sky and, and Gerard continues to impress me with how he speaks. I, I, I've, one of the things about Gerard, he speaks so well. But there was an interview and I think it was him, I think he was sitting on the stand with, with Coist and, and um, Chris Boyd and, and the lassie who was, who was presenting the programme. Bar, Barbara, is it Barbara? Um, and, you know, he spoke about you know, because everyone knows he's a Liverpool fan. I mean, there's not, that's one of the good things about him. Is there's not, you don't, there's no pretense from him. You know where his heart is. But the way he spoke about the club and what it meant to him, and you know, it, you you believed it. You know, you thought, no, this is true. This you you what you're saying there is is how you are feeling just now. This isn't just some some rubbish that you're spouting just to you know sell a few more jerseys. It it all felt genuine. It all felt felt authentic. Um, I, as I said, I, I did. I, I found it most. I was moved by it at times, um, I, and I didn't expect to be. I didn't think I was going to feel like that, and I, and I really did. Um, and talk later about where this championship comes in our history, um, but but the way we got it, the the, the way we received it. Um, everything that went along with it, you know, getting guys. I mean, I didn't actually realize. Apparently, Ed, Ed, Edmondson was. It's just yeah, because he's he just out. But you think, yeah, okay, that's it. They, they all know, you know, all, uh, um, you know, whether it was it was five minutes, you know, like the lad king, whether it was five minutes at the um, second last game of the season, or whether it was someone like Goldson who didn't literally didn't miss a minute. They, 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 you know, you had this feeling. This is a proper squad. This is a squad of guys who are in, who got each other's backs. It was a fantastic day, Scott. Uh, fantastic day, Ross. I, I, I just, you know, I. I it's one of these ones that will stay with me. And I think because I wasn't there, it was still a way I had to watch it unfold. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe that's a, a good way of thinking about it is, you know, do you, if, if I said to you right now, what were you doing when Henry sixth league title? You'd probably have to go, right, which one was that and work it back. But in, in, in 30 years' time, you'll go, what were you doing when Rangers won 55? And you go, oh, I watched it on Sky and no one could go. And it was that, that'll be it. It's, it. It is momentous. Um, just when you're talking about James Tavernier there, I was frantically trying to find the picture that you're referring to, and you have to send me that later. But it was the thing that summed up James Tavernier's career for me is that on Friday night, I couldn't sleep a wink because I was so excited and it was such a big day coming up. And I was watching, you know, get sucked into a YouTube black hole. <laughs> and I ended up watching the, the, the top five goals ever scored in the English Football League playoffs. And in 24, oh, as you do, as you do, why not? Um, <laughs> And in 2014, number three on that list was um, Leighton Orient against Rotherham in 2014 to get promoted from League One to the Championship. Boyce goes at a belting goal and James Tavernier runs in to celebrate because he was playing for Rotherham at the time. And you look at his career and he's just like, he's been here, there and everywhere and he's been passed around and he's finally found somewhere that he can settle and he's 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 flourished. So I'm so pleased for the guy. Yeah. Um, Stuart, John mentioned there the, the moment that he sees John Gregg walking out with the trophy and clearly a very, very poignant moment. The, the directors that came out as well who sacrificed a lot and have worked very, very hard to get the club to this position. What I suppose was perhaps notable was the absence of any representative from the SFA or from the SPFL. Um, so that's, you know, your, your, your Doncasters and the like. I don't know if they were at the game at all um, or just not involved in the presentations or, or whatever it might have been but it was you know sort of conspicuous by their absence was that 
the right thing to do? Was it to keep it in house? You know, are, are you pleased that the the club took that took that line? I would, I would I would put it down to protocols that we've got too many people here already, and you're not invited. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember I remember when Rangers won the the title one season, and the guy Howard from the Halifax. <laughs> Was out on the pitch. <laughs> the chorus of something along the lines of, "What the f are you doing here?" You know, which, which again, there were no fans yesterday to sing that at Neil Doncaster or anybody else from the 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 court of coffee and buns. But the fact is, you know, again, um, in a year's time, in fact, actually, whilst it was taking place. I did not notice that there was nobody there. So that 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 for me shows you what you know the insignificance of actually who who is presenting the trophy. Had it been had it been somebody you know of note, I would have said yeah, you know that's great for them to be there. Or if somebody from note hadn't turned up, I would have noticed that. But the fact that it was somebody from the SPFL, whose management of Scottish football over the last year and a bit has been something akin to the Keystone Cops. I don't think it's you know, I don't think that Rangers are going to say, why don't we invite Neil Doncaster along and let's redo the photographs for the for the Rangers Museum. Nah, I don't see that coming. Fair enough. I just, I think it, I think it makes it a bit sweeter, you know, because I can imagine, look, obviously no idea how these, these things work, but I can imagine that you know, if Doncaster says I'm coming to this game, I don't imagine we've got any right to say you you're not. But I mean, I, I can imagine he probably wasn't at the game I yesterday. Bumped, I bumped into him once. Sorry. Did you? I bumped into him once actually at, at the rugby, and it was a Scot- it was a Scottish Cup final. Uh, sorry, a Scottish Cup Saturday, and because he'd nothing to do with the Scottish Cup, he was actually at Murrayfield watching Scotland playing. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Wheels, I think it was. And I walked in and he was in one of the hospitality suites sitting. So I'm a great supporter of Scottish football. I'm at the rugby today. Well, I like how you sort of you casually tell that story to let us all know that you were in hospitality at Murrayfield, not just <laughs> not just in the stands, you know. Actually, actually I was working. Right. <laughs> I had a similar experience with Jim Farry once. A long, long time ago when Jim, Jim Farry Jim Farry was a rugby Jim Farry was a rugby. Big guy. Well, a long time ago, when I was I worked in the printing industry, and um, we used to do work with the SFA, and we were producing the SFA's annual report. I can tell a story because Jim Fly's been dead about ten years, um, but we were producing the SFA's annual report, and one of the guys I worked with knew him from I'm going to say Canvas Lang Rugby Club, but right. no, right. club around that neck of the woods. Yeah, and they were talking. And he said to me, I mean, I don't I have no interest in rugby. Then had no idea there was rugby even on the next day. And and he said to Jim Farry, he said, are you, are you going to Murrayfield tomorrow? And Jim Farry said, oh, Scottish Cup's on. I, I, I'll have to show face at a game or else I'll get, I'll get murdered in the press. And I was like, oh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I was stunned. I mean, how naive was I? But yeah, that man had, had no interest in football whatsoever. None at all. I don't think I don't know if Doncaster has any interest in football, or, <laughs> but we'll no interest in Scottish football. No, 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 that's <laughs> a, but I, I think the point I'm trying to make is that even if Doncaster wanted to be there yesterday, if Doncaster said I'm I'm the chief of this place and I'm I'm handing over the trophy or I need to be there, 
he'd be very brave right. to walk down Edmondson Drive and walk in the front doors at Ibrox, yeah. you know, on, on a day like Saturday. So yeah, if he I mean, did that, fair enough. That's I I sorry, I don't think the SPFL could have afforded a Chinook helicopter <laughs> to, to, to drop to drop him in. You know, this this big the the birds come in and basically say, "Here's your parachute, jump." And I I I, I don't really see that happening. No, I mean I, be, I think there'll be a number of reasons why he wasn't there, and that sounds the most plausible one of the whole lot that uh, they would have had to get him in the place in the first instance. I mean, there are probably COVID protocols and, and things that I don't know. I know Thistle made a kind of big point about that when they won the league, that they, they were not allowing anyone from the SPFL to, to come along. They were still fairly hacked off, obviously, at what happened to them, and quite rightly too. So they made it quite public. I haven't heard anything from Rangers. I don't know if if this was a, a deliberate snub, if this was a snub that's been you know, just kept quiet, that they know they've been snubbed and we know they've been snubbed, but it's not something we're going to make a song and dance about. Because to be fair, that's been more Rangers' modus operandi this this year. You know, um, things have been, things haven't been getting said in public as much as maybe they have been in previous years. So, um, yeah, uh, look, you're dead right. Uh, uh, Stuart's right. Who even noticed that he wasn't there? Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, um, I, it was for the best. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely for the best. Um, I, I guess, John, I'll, I'll stick with you. You know, we, we've kind of skirted around this question. Um, but winning 55, which to me is is primary and, and, and far bigger an objective than stopping the 10, no matter how, you know, some sometimes you'll hear people say it was so important for Rangers to win it this year to stop the 10. You know, well, actually, it was more important for Rangers to win it this year because it's important for Rangers to win it full stop. Um, but but the journey that we've been on over the last ten years, and I hate using the cliche of the journey, but you know, there's maybe no more apt a word. But does that make fifty five the most important title in in our history? Certainly in in living memory. It's a huge question, isn't it? It's it's a it's a pod in its own. I think that question, I really do, because you know, it's such a difficult one to answer. Um, you know, I suspect those involved in our first ever title would probably lay claim that that's the most important. Um, I suspect there have been titles along the way. Um, you know, I think our, our first title after the Second World War, you know, when things were starting, you know, was probably uh, an important title in terms of how the club moved forward after that tumultuous age. Probably the same after the, the First World War. Uh, you know, historians, um, you know, there was a period, Celtic had a period of, of dominance at the kind of t- start of the 20th century. Celtic were, were very, very successful, very well run, very wealthy. Something that's not always talked about. Um, but they were the wealthiest club in the country at that time um, and, uh, and had a very kind of period of dominance then. And, and then and Rangers started to grow and, and become a, a significant challenger. Uh, so there was titles won around then that are probably, you know, people could put a good argument for, you know what, see if we hadn't won that title, you know, history could have changed, you know, you maybe, maybe Rangers wouldn't have become the club they did. Um, I, I suspect Jock Wallace's first title in the 70s, um, you know, when he was against Steen, when he was against the Celtic team that were, you know, arguably one of the best teams in, in the world, frankly, certainly one of the best teams in Europe. Um, you know, that was... That was a very important, important title that kind of, you know, that kind of brought to an end the Steen era and everything that he had achieved. Um, but to answer your question, I think it is. I think in the modern age, 
you know, I don't know how you want to class the modern age since, you know, since the, since the, since the, the start of the 70s. I don't know. Yes, I think it probably is. I think history will judge this title. Um, and, and a number of things have happened, Ross, and, and we all know this, but a number of things have happened. Rangers have gradually improved over the last three seasons to get to a point where, in my opinion, they are. this is the best footballing Rangers side I've ever seen. I'm not saying it's the best Rangers team. I'm not saying it's the team that's had the best players. I'm not saying there's not other Rangers teams. You know, Advocates team um, in particular had some incredible players and, and was an exceptionally good football team. But this team, the football this team plays, just aesthetically, I just love watching them. I just, it, it, I just get joy from watching Rangers just now, the way they play football. Um, so we've, he's achieved it with that. He's obviously built this defence that, that you know, uh, the, the whole the whole thing about this team just now is is how fun they are going forward. And yet he's built this defence that just stops everything coming through, um, which all great Rangers teams have been built on. You know, people will talk of the Iron Curtain defence and people will remember great Rangers centre-halves. John Gregg is a, a 